In fact, I would say, Jenna, the most successful people I know are not happy. A lot of people who are very, very successful often have done it at the sacrifice of so many other things in their life, and they often have a compulsion towards the success. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing, numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. By the time Layla Hermosi was 29 years old, she sold her first business for $50 million. By the age of 30, her portfolio of companies crossed $200 million per year in portfolio revenue spanning brick and mortar, service, licensing, education, e-commerce, and more. Now, those are some massive numbers. There's no skirting that fact. But does bigger really mean better? And does achieving big things always result in happiness? If you've ever achieved a big goal, but found that that achievement didn't automatically result in more happiness for you, keep listening to this conversation with Layla. She's a scaling and operations expert and now spends her time investing in founder-led businesses to help them scale and multiply their profits. In her fascinating career of entrepreneurship and investing, she's seen what helps businesses grow and achieve new levels of success, but her definition of success might surprise you and how she gets there is so enlightening. I am so excited to have her on the podcast to talk about how she's reframed what it means to be both happy and successful and how she is setting out to achieve that daily. Honestly, the way that she describes this is so life-changing. Here she is, Layla Hermosi. If you love listening to the Gold Digger podcast, then I have the perfect next podcast for you. Imperfect Action, hosted by Steph Taylor, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Imperfect Action is a bite-sized online marketing podcast for business owners. Join Steph Taylor as she answers all your business marketing questions and deep dives into the nitty-gritty of online marketing and content marketing, social media marketing, and marketing strategy for business owners. She recently covered the super hot topic of AI and how it could impact the online business world. You've got to tune into that if you're curious about all the benefits and the downsides of using AI in your content creation. Listen to Imperfect Action wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Layla, ever since I met you, I have been dying to have you on my show. So welcome to the Gold Digger podcast. Thanks for having me, Jenna. I seriously appreciate that. I don't know if you even remember this, but so we were at a mastermind together in Florida. And I just remember sitting in that like really dark room before we were going into the mastermind and you and I were just like talking about all different topics. And I'm so excited for this conversation today because I feel like we can go in a million different directions from business to relationship to showing up online and kind of handling all of the opinions that come with it. And one of the things that I loved about you is kind of your origin story and how you got into business in the first place. So can you kind of talk us through how and where your entrepreneurial journey began? Yeah, absolutely. You know, for me, it was, I always knew that I didn't want to, 
have a job. I just knew that in order to get to that point, I probably would have jobs along the way. And that really started when I was, you know, a teenager looking at, you know, talking to my father, he was not super happy with his job. Like he was always talking about how there's a better path. And I started listening to Tony Robbins and Jim Rohn and all these different public figures that talk about self-development and how, you know, that and business are routes to personal freedom. And I just really wanted that for myself. I think I grew up in a small town and I didn't feel like anything, nothing there was like exciting to me. Like I just looked at what everyone was doing and I was like, just nothing makes me want to jump out of bed in the morning. What everyone's doing here, like you either work at the hospital, you work at the bank, you work at the, you know, you're a waitress at one of the restaurants. And it was just like, it just felt like a dead end. And so the first step in my journey was really, as soon as I graduated college, which I did go to college, I, the next day packed up my car and I moved to California. And I did that not knowing anybody, not knowing what I was going to do. I think I had like between five and $7,000 in my bank account. And I moved into like some ghetto apartment in the middle of Costa Mesa that I had never seen before. I found on Craigslist. And when I got there, I told myself that I needed to get a job literally anywhere. I said, I'm going to walk to all the gyms within walking distance. I'm going to try and get a job on these gyms because my background was really exercise science and I had lost about 85 pounds myself. So it felt like something that made a lot of sense for me. And going there, I got a job at literally all the gyms. And so I was like, which one can I make money at the fastest? Because I just don't have enough money to sustain paying for this rent, even though it's like a crappy apartment. And so I worked at 24-Hour Fitness. And that's when I really learned sales, sales, marketing, getting your own customers. And that was before, you know, Facebook and Instagram and all these different ways that we can generate leads and sell via webinar. I mean, this was like, I go to Whole Foods and get clients and I sell them sitting face to face. And so... It was honestly really tough and challenging because that's not something that was a skill set of mine at all, but I'm so glad that I did it. And I had my back against the wall because it was probably the most valuable learning experience of my life. It was incredibly uncomfortable, but I learned more there than I could have ever. And so from there, I kind of created a roster of clients, took those clients to a smaller gym, and I started doing like half of my clients online and half in person. And I was at a point where I was like, okay, am I going to open a gym or am I going to do this online thing? Because online fitness was emerging at that point. It wasn't super popular yet. And I wasn't sure which direction to go. I was kind of like nervous because I wasn't sure what the right answer was. And it was actually at that time that I was also dating and I met my now husband, Alex. And when I met him, he was like, I think you should do neither of those things. Instead, you should start this business with me. And I was like, what? And that was, I think the second pivotal choice was after, gosh, three weeks of knowing each other, I took the chance, I gave away all my clients and we flew out to launch our first gym. And that was the first step or the second step I want to say in the entrepreneurial journey was taking that risk, you know, Mm -hmm. knowing that I could keep doing this and make good money. And I would probably have built a, a large roster, done something, whether it be online or open a gym. And I don't doubt I'd be successful, but I looked at the opportunity and I was like, this looks like a better one. And I've got somebody with a complimentary skill set I can do it with. And so that's when we started our first company, Gym Launch. And I'll tell you briefly, the first year and a half was just absolute, like the first word that comes to mind is like suffering, <laughs> making more money. You know, I think my health fell off the wagon. Like we're eating out of gas stations. We're flying basically. What we would do is fly from gym to gym. We would do the sales and we'd basically run their marketing and then do the sales at the gym. And so it was 
completely like there was no leverage involved at all. It was not like a smart business model. It was just like, how do we make money as fast as possible with this business and hopefully turn it into something? And that was really where things kicked off. And after about a year and a half, you know, we were through lots of ups and downs, losing money. One of Alex's old partners stole all our money at one point. I hired all of my friends to quit their jobs, come join us. And then the next day, all the money was gone. (laughs) I mean, there was just like unending stress. And on a whim, about a year and a half after we started it, we said, we can't do this anymore. This is not sustainable. This isn't going anywhere. It's just, it's just not freaking working. And we said, all right, we're going to pivot. And we're probably, the idea was actually like, we were going to make me an online brand and I was going to be the face of a weight loss brand. And Alex is going to do all the back end marketing and, and all that stuff. And so we started pivoting to that. It started working. And then we had to call up all of the gym owners to tell them that we couldn't launch their gyms. And when we called them to say like, hey, we're not flying out to gyms anymore. It's just not working for us. Literally one by one, it was like, they were each like, what do I have to pay you for you to teach me how to do this myself? And Mm. we were like, okay, well, we're getting out of this anyways. Might as well sell the secret. So we were like, sure, whatever amount of money we could come up with. We're like, this much money, right? And we called up eight gyms that day and eight gyms offered to buy whatever you want to call it, the education, the knowledge, the coaching, the training, the mentoring from us. And so at the end of that day, we kind of looked at each other and we were like, maybe we've Wait a been doing this wrong the whole time. Maybe we've just been being complete idiots, you know, not looking at how do we really package our skill set? We were packaging it in the least leveraged way possible. And so it was as soon as we realized that the same skills can be repackaged in a way that you can, can be 10 times more leveraged and make 10 times more money. That was when I would say the success of my entrepreneurial journey actually started. And then from there, grew that company started a supplement company that sold through that distribution network and sold that company as well. And then started my most recent company about 13 months ago. Okay. So that is an incredible story. Tell me about your most recent company. Like which version of Layla are we talking to? Because I feel like you've reinvented yourself so many times on this journey. I have. And I think that's because the most, like the one thing that I can always say has served me well is I don't really believe in, listen, if somebody does, that's fine. If it serves you, what yeah, has yeah. served me is I've never really believed in like, oh, this is my personality. I yep. think that I can change my personality at every given time, because I think that our personality is really just an accumulation of habits that we've done for a very long time that are very hard to break. And so that's helped me a lot. And I think who I am today in this business, this business is, you know, I'm CEO, it's acquisition.com. And it's really a a portfolio of minority investments that we take in smaller companies. You know, they're typically low mid-market companies. And the reason that we do that is because it's a space where we know really well. We have taken three companies ourselves and then took three minority investments in the beginning to see how well it would work from, you know, anywhere below 3 million around the 3 million mark to 10, 15, 20, 100 million. And so we know that that playbook works. We understand the steps to get there. And so This business is really taking minority investments in other businesses and helping them do what we did with our businesses. Wow. It's incredible. So let's reverse to a part of your story that I think a lot of listeners are going to be like, wait, what? 
Tell me about how you started a relationship at the same time that you guys are going all in on this business. What was that like? Because I have always said Drew and I could never work together on a business level. It just would not work for us. But meeting you guys in real life and seeing your, not even just your chemistry, but the way that you complement one another. Talk to me about that. So I'll start off by saying I don't recommend it for everybody because yeah. I think I think we got really lucky. I really do. I think that it, you know, we had a lot of people tell us we got really lucky and I don't think I really yeah. appreciate it till later on. But I think how it felt in the beginning was nerve wracking, honestly. You know, yeah. I think in the beginning, if I'm being really honest, we, we were so focused on the business. Like I think, so I think what has always served us well is that Alex and I have always understood what season we're in. And we've been on the same page about that. And so a lot of people in the beginning of starting a business would be like, well, we should be improving our relationship and having an amazing romantic relationship right now. And both of us were like, well, that's not our expectation. Our expectation is that this year is going to suck. And we've got to get through it. And we both really know that like right now in our lives, we're willing to sacrifice a lot to become successful, to get kind of our feet in the ground and like get off the ground more so. And it was like we were willing to do whatever it took, including not necessarily prioritizing the relationship. And so I think that if it were anybody else, I would have thought more so like, oh, I'm just on time for a relationship right now. You know, I'm really focused on my career. But when both people feel that way, it's a lot easier. And now, is it like that anymore? No. But both Alex and I have always been very ambitious. And I think that that's why it's worked really well for us is I always felt like I never found... I didn't really date anybody that I felt like, I don't want to say could keep up, but like had ambitions bigger than mine. And I specifically was like, if I want to be dating or married to somebody, like I want them to inspire me. You know, I have, I don't just look for somebody who's going to be my husband and I don't really see myself playing a very traditional wife role, but I want somebody as a partner that I can build something really big with. And I think because we both had that mindset, that's why it's been able to work. I think the biggest like if, you know, you hear this all the time, it's like traditional advice, but like people are like, how does it work? And I'm like, we have very like candorous communication. There's nothing between Alex and I. And we learned that lesson very early on. I, we had a mentor who said, you know, when, if you visually look at, there's two of you sitting on the couch, most married couples have a bookshelf of <laughs> unspoken expectations, uh, resentments, and other things that they're keeping from their spouse. And that's why yeah. they can never really build something amazing together, whether it be a marriage or a business. And I think for Alex and I, we've always made sure that there's nothing there. You know, we speak our minds to each other. We learn to communicate in a way that's productive. And we're always constantly kind of holding each other accountable to that. And so I think that's why we've been able to do both marriage and business really well is that it really just comes down to that as communication. Like, can you productively communicate with your partner? Um, And if you don't, can you own up to it? Was it hard for you guys to kind of like change gears in the sense of like, you're in that grind phase, you're in that hustle season. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, now we have to like learn how to be like a couple outside of work. Was that hard? Or do you feel like there are kind of different roles that you play in work in life or do they all kind of blend together? I think it was hard. The hard part about it was probably like for me as a woman, like in the workplace, you're so much more masculine mm-hmm. and learning how to not bring that home and be this like demanding, commanding, outspoken, you know, sometimes can be a little rough around the edges person to my husband was probably the biggest lesson that I had to learn. And so 
for me, it was, I had this almost like visual in my mind of like, during the workday, I have boss Layla hat on. After work ends, whatever, be five o'clock, six o'clock, whatever, that hat comes off and wife Layla hat comes on. And that's been how I have, you know, I have to kind of mentally cue myself to transition because I don't think bringing that energy, it's not always useful in a relationship. And I think often I don't even want hyper masculine energy from Alex in the relationship. I don't want him yelling at me telling me how, how our marriage should be right. And I think that's been the first thing that we've had to learn. I think the second was, you know, I'll tell you this. In 2018, we went on our first vacation. And when we got there, I told him, I said, I don't want to keep doing this anymore. He's like, well, what do you want want to keep doing? And I said, I can't continue to put the business ahead of our relationship. I'm not happy. Mm. And we have so much money and I feel miserable. And he said, me too. (laughs) And I remember this like sense of relief because I was like, thank God he feels that way because I was really frightened to tell him because I was like, what if he wants to continue to do that and put the business first? Then then we're at at odds, right? Because then we have different priorities. And I think that's the root of why a lot of people separate. And in that moment when we agreed to that, we just dedicated ourselves to learning how to take time off, how to put our marriage first, how to, you know, take work outside of the equation in our free time. And it was not something that happened overnight. Change is a process, not an event. (laughs) It does not happen all at once. It takes years. However, we are way better at it now. And if we each need something like, hey, I want to talk about work right now, or hey, I don't want to talk about work right now, the other person no longer gets like offended or takes anything to heart. I think it's much more productive conversation. And so those have been the two things that I think have been pivotal for us is learning to take that hat off and what hat you should be wearing at that time. It's almost like, what audience am I speaking to? And then getting on the same page. You know, there's nothing wrong with putting work before the relationship if you're both on the same page, in my opinion, as most people shouldn't and won't ever do that, but we did and it worked. But we also knew that we both wanted to pivot at the same time. And I think, again, I think some of that's luck and some of that's just, I'm not sure. Yeah. The Gold Digger podcast is supported by HubSpot. Entrepreneurs have a lot to deal with without tedious tasks like manually updating reports or chasing down teams to figure out if targets have slipped. With HubSpot CRM, get real-time data at your fingertips so your teams can stay in sync across the customer journey. Track your contacts and customers, send personalized emails in bulk, and get the context you need to create amazing experiences for your teams and for your customers at scale, all from one powerful platform. It's why more than 150,000 companies already use HubSpot CRM to run their businesses better. Plus, HubSpot's user-friendly interface sets you up for success from day one so you can spend less time managing software and more time on what matters, your customers. There's no better time to get organized. Learn how HubSpot can help your business grow better and get a special offer of 20% off on eligible plans at HubSpot.com slash gold digger. You might not know this about me, but one of my favorite roles that I play in life is being a host. That's why Drew and I are hosts on Airbnb. If you want to generate extra income and have space to share, you should definitely check out Airbnb. As a mom and full-time entrepreneur, it's been super easy to fit hosting into my schedule. Over the last few years, we've had many visitors and we've even been voted Superhost several times. 
Whether you've bought properties as an investment or have unused rooms waiting to be shared, hosting on Airbnb is the practical and profitable choice. And just think about it. If you've put a ton of time, effort, and work into your home, someone out there probably would love to experience it while they're traveling. So next time you're planning a trip or want to make some extra pocket change from your spaces, consider hosting on Airbnb. The hosting process is simple, practical, and tailored to you. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So you bring up a really amazing point that I think we should dive into. And I love too how you shared kind of your more traditional roots, especially with your parents' thoughts around work. I also grew up, my dad worked at a paper mill. My mom was a teacher. It was a very, you know, you have a job, you keep a job, you stay there and stay grateful. And you bring up a really amazing point. You hit this insane level of success, likely greater than you had ever even envisioned or dreamed. And yet you kind of found that you arrived and you were like, this doesn't feel like I thought it would feel. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people do that in their lives and in their businesses and maybe in a different way than you did. I know I've arrived at different points where I had set this pinpoint on my map of like, this is the vision, this is the goal. And I get there and I'm like, wait, this feels empty or I'm burnt out or I'm exhausted. How do you overcome that? And what does it look like in gaining that clarity? Because I think a lot of people listening to this episode can relate maybe in a different way in their own lives. Mm -hmm. You know, I think for me, it was realizing that success makes you feel successful. (laughs) Being happy, you know, creates happiness. It's like happiness and success are two different things and they're achieved in different ways. And I think when we got to the point where we were making so much money and to the point where the money was almost a stress rather than something that I was celebrating, that was when I realized, one, no matter what is going on in your life, we will find things to be stressed about. And so it doesn't matter how much money you have because you know the thing that once stressed you out, which was not having money, flips to now having money becomes a stressor. So it's, you know, when they say more money, more problems, I don't think that's true. It's just like more money, different problems. You know, once the problem was not having money, now the problem is you have a lot of money and you don't know what to do with it. And then you have time and you don't have this. And so the problems just change. I think we, we always, a lot of studies have shown that humans just tend to have the same amount of problems. They just change. So realizing that and understanding that how you become happy and how you become successful are not related in any way. In fact, I would say, Jenna, the most successful people I know are not happy. A lot of people who are very, very successful often have done it at the sacrifice of so many other things in their life. And they often have a compulsion towards the success, you know, whether it be a very, you know, well-known athlete who's, you know, the top of their career or they're the best in basketball or NFL or whatever it may be. Often they have a compulsion to practice, a compulsion to exercise. It's like they don't know how to stop, right? And they will not stop and they will sacrifice their family time. They will sacrifice their health. They'll sacrifice everything. And on the other side of that, you've got people who only really focus on being happy. And it's typically because they're so focused on happiness and comfort that then they sacrifice any amount of success they can have because it means stepping outside that comfort zone, which could also risk like, well, then I'm not being happy. And I really think that happiness is just reality matches expectation, right? Or exceeds expectations. And oftentimes when we're uncomfortable, we don't feel that way. And the only way to be successful is to be uncomfortable. So I actually think that many times in life, if you associate, well, we know this, right? Being uncomfortable often leads to success because we're pushing ourselves to do something. It doesn't mean it's bad because most discomfort's not bad, but it's what's needed to achieve a goal to stretch ourselves to do something we've never done before. But at the same time, that means that in that moment, we're not feeling happy. 
And so that's what I came to realize is oftentimes when I'm making the most progress and growing the most, I'm not the happiest. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm the happiest when (laughs) I feel like things are going really well. I have just enough free time. I've got like a little more time. It's a little less stress, right? But Mm -hmm. I'm often not growing in those moments. And so this is what worked for me and how I now view it is I have had to learn how to find something else, how to find joy. How do I find joy in the discomfort? Because I know that if I can learn to associate discomfort with happiness and success, then that's how I can do both at once. Oftentimes we associate discomfort with something bad. We label it a negative feeling and we look at it like it's this thing that we should stay away from and we tend to avoid it. And I think I've trained myself over time just through mental repetition and changing my behavior to lean into the discomfort and to start labeling it as something that fulfills me. Because I do, I feel most alive when I'm uncomfortable. I'm achieving my goals. I'm going towards something. I'm able to inspire more people that way. I'm able to do more things that haven't been done that way. And so for me, it's been learning to connect the two into what I say is joy. You know, it's being able to find that it's almost like the spirit in the discomfort. And I think that a lot of people lean towards one or the other, but if you can find a way to make the process of finding success something that also makes you happy, I feel like that's like the pinnacle. And I'm still trying to figure that out, but I feel like I'm a lot closer than I used to be. Wow. I have literally never had that broken down in that way. And that to me was legitimately (laughs) mind-blowing. I have never actually thought about that correlation because... I agree with you. I have met some of the most successful people on planet earth and you can feel their dissatisfaction, right? Like you can feel their like unease. And a lot of times that makes me uncomfortable because I'm like, I just want everyone to feel peace in their lives. Like I am definitely someone that's more on the happy scale. And I, the way that you just described that, honestly, Layla was so powerful. I hope that everyone rewinds and listens to that again, because I know that my listeners are achievers out there. Like they are people that want more out of their lives. But I also think that a lot of times achievement comes with that fear of like, what if I'm chasing the wrong thing? Because we've all had that disappointment feeling when we've gotten to a place and it doesn't feel like how we thought it would feel. Answer Mm -hmm. this question to me. I know I am being most successful when... Fill in the blank. When I feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. When I feel like I'm stretched. When I feel that I have to grow in order to achieve something, but I also feel fairly confident that if I stretch myself, I can do it. Now answer me the question. I know I am my happiest self when? I am doing things that bring me further or closer to the person that I want to be. Mm, I and love often that. those things are uncomfortable. Yeah. Talk to me about inviting the discomfort into your life and ways that you do that. Yeah. I honestly, Jenna, I do it in a lot of ways. And I think it's because I look at one of my friends wrote a book on this and he basically talks about, it's called um, the comfort crisis. But in the book, he talks about there's comfort creep. There's also discomfort creep. Comfort creep is we continue to do things that are comfortable. It spreads to all areas of our life. Right. And so it slowly creeps and it goes more and more and more until we're like almost protecting ourselves all the time. Um, You know, it's like kind of the people who like, they don't want to go out and do anything. They don't want to see people. They don't want to take risks. They don't want to go on vacations, like nothing. It all stresses them out because they've let comfort creep up so hot. On the other side, we have discomfort creep, which is if we can train ourselves to associate positivity with discomfort, then we are more likely to go in that direction. 
And so I try with most things to do what's uncomfortable. And usually what that means is when I, my brain says, that sounds terrifying, don't do it. The next thought that comes up is, if it sounds terrifying, it's probably something that will be useful for you, Layla. This is a great opportunity. What a good opportunity for you to grow here, for you to get better. And so honestly, that's like the internal dialogue I have is I'll just think something, think I need to do something. Something's presented to me, maybe an opportunity, a speaking thing. It could be anything, right? And the immediate thought is like, hell no, like that sounds awful and terrifying. (laughs) And then the next thought is, no, this is a fantastic opportunity. How can we get through this and make ourselves better? How can I get through this and make myself better? How can I get through this and then use the tools that I accumulate to teach other people to be better? Hmm. And so I think for me, it's, I believe that we can only help others to the extent that we know to help ourselves. And I am very motivated by other people. I tend to, I have to work on putting myself uh, first often, but something that really motivates me to put myself first in that way is that I know it will help other people. And the more I can help myself, the more that I can actualize my potential in a way that's not painful and I'm not suffering, then I can encourage other people to do the same. And I think what I get all the time is people see how much I work, they see how much I do, and they think, you must be suffering. This must be awful. I'm like, no, I wouldn't do it if it was. I've trained myself and I've learned how to enjoy the process because I truly love becoming the next best version of myself. I love that. And I actually want to touch base on this because when I watch your content and stuff, like one, I just love how unapologetic you are. I I literally sometimes think I need to like clothe myself in my Layla identity (laughs) to show up with some unpopular opinions that I might hold. But talk to me about that because I feel like we're in a really interesting place specifically for female entrepreneurs where there is kind of this new movement of like anti-hustle, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of us, and I struggle with this a lot because oh. I was someone who hustled really hard at the beginning to get my business to grow, to hit six figures, to do all of those things. And I find myself in a really different stage of life right now where that is not the goal. But I also believe that there is a level of hustle required to get anything off the ground. And so do you have any unpopular opinions about that? Because when I watch your content, I can feel your passion about your work. And I know that like you don't work short days, right? Talk to me about that a little bit. Because I think that there are people that are absolutely wired like you or in that stage of hustle in their business. And they're like, what does this look like? How is this sustainable? When will this end? Will it end? Do I want it to end? What would you say? Mm -hmm. I think there's two things I would say. The first is that I have no judgment to anybody who doesn't want to hustle. And I think that that's something that nobody will know unless they genuinely talk to me. I think I state what works for me and that's sometimes hard for others to digest, but I genuinely don't care what somebody else does. I just hope that they're happy and that they like their life and that they, you know, do everything they want to do. And I think that we have too much, you know, back and forth about like hustle, not hustle, all that. Like, it's like, I don't care what anybody else does. You know, I'm just trying to figure out what works for me. Right. That's the first thing. The second is that I think for me personally, I value purpose over everything. And I find purpose in challenge. I find purpose in the hard work. I find purpose in pushing myself. And I find meaning to my life in those ways. And that is something I know about myself. And it's just been how I've been wired. When things are really easy, my mind starts to go to very unproductive places. And, you know, I start to look at things that aren't problems and make them into problems. You know, I think that that's just how humans are. But for me, it's not about working myself to death. It's about challenging myself to be better. It's not about exhausting myself. 
It's about, am I utilizing my potential on a daily basis? And if I don't do that, yeah, I can have a good day, but I could have a better day if I utilize my potential. Yeah. And so for me, it's really stretching myself. And I just, you know, Jenna, it's like, I want to meet the version of myself that's capable of all these things. And I just so desperately want to get to the end of my life and know I have met that person. And I'm sure by the time I get there, I'll think that, you know, I'm still got a ways to go, but I want to know that I took it all the way. And I find a lot of meaning on a daily basis in trying to do that. And it's not easy, but it's what works for me. And so hard work, it's just a byproduct of that belief. It's not that I'm working hard because I'm have to, and I'm exhausted. I'm sitting over here chugging. I don't even drink caffeine half days. You know, I've got like the most I'll do is a diet Coke or diet Mountain Dew right now. And it's because I genuinely like it and I genuinely find purpose in it. So for me, you know, let me ask you this, right? The days that you are, you know, driving your kids around, taking care of one, then the other needs something in this. It's like you're hustling all day, but there's Uh so much purpose in it because they're your children. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the difference is like, we all have something like that in our lives that we are willing to hustle for in seasons. It's not always going to be all the time, every time, but that we would be happy to hustle for because it's worth it to us. And I think that could be kids to someone. It could be a spouse to somebody else. And it could be work to someone like me. And that's how I look at it is like, is it worth it? And for me, it is. And I think when it's not worth it is when we start to talk about burnout hustle culture, because when there's no meaning behind the work you're doing, it is depressing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. And I, I appreciate that take a ton. And, you know, I also think it's super important that we like really analyze what is our purpose in this season? What is it in this year? What mm-hmm. is the ultimate goal here? And it changes and evolves. And kind of like we were talking at the beginning, like you've had to kind of shift your identity through all of these different changes in your career, in your life, in your relationship we are constantly evolving. And I love that. Like, I love that I could contradict myself from a year ago because I'm growing and I'm changing and I invite that. And I feel like you do that as well. Totally. I mean, I could change my mind in a year and I'd be fine to share it. So (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I want to know this. Do you have any sort of process or ritual or anything that you do to set goals now? Because you've achieved some really, really, really big things. Is there anything that you look at in a different way after having achieved some of these massive goals that you set for yourself or goals that maybe you didn't even know existed until you accomplished them? Are there any ways that you set goals specifically today? Yeah, I think that what I use to set goals is I usually ask myself the things that I'm avoiding. So rather than looking at like what I want to be, what I want to aspire to, what am I avoiding? And what if I stopped doing would bring me closer to my goals or to who I want to be? I say who I want to be instead. So, you know, if I think about for me, for example, being more flexible, I go through seasons of being very flexible, but when I have high demands on my time, I become pretty rigid. And so something that I work on is how could I stop, you know, some of these habits that are very, you know, create a lot of rigidity in my life so I can be more flexible right? Because I think that that a more flexible system always wins, (laughs) including people. But the biggest thing that I do is it's really leaning into where do I feel stress? Where do I feel anxiety? Where am I avoiding something? And then using those as guides of those are the things I should set goals around. And those aren't necessarily do this goals, but it might be stop this goals, or it might be have this conversation goals. And so that's what I've used in terms of goal setting. 
And so for me, it looks different for everybody, right? So for me, working hard is not something I feel like I need to try and work harder. For me, I often have to think, how would I do this smarter, right? Mm -hmm. So a goal for me might be, how do I accomplish this without, you know, working more hours this quarter, right? That might be a question. Another might be, you know, if I want to think about how do I better relationship with my spouse, I think, how do I stop reacting when certain situations arise so that I don't, you know, damper our relationship? right? It's not how do I start being more loving? It's how do I stop being unloving? And so I think about those as goals more than I do of like, do these things. It's like, I think of it more through subtraction than addition, if that makes sense. Yes. So it's no, like, somebody's like how do I start dieting? It's like, well, how do I stop overeating? Yep. Yeah. I think that oh, I love often we pile so much on because I know it is like the new year and people say, I'm going to add all these goals in you're already doing everything you're doing. And I think it's a lot easier through subtraction than addition. Yeah, I agree. I love that. What is something that we can expect to see from you this year? What is something you're excited about or working on or working towards? What can we expect to see? Mm -hmm. A couple of things. So we are getting an office. And so my goal is to have higher production content and more like real life, like me speaking to my team, me speaking to portfolio companies, like in the moment content, because I think I find that to be very helpful. And I think other people would too. Combined with, we're exploring a lot of ways that we can educate and entertain at the same time. I think that I can educate, but I think the next step for me is like, if I really want to help people. I have to learn how to entertain them while I educate them. So that's a goal for me. And then, you know, personally, you know, growing our portfolio and our business, bringing in the rest of the leadership. And then, you know, those are kind of the things that we're looking at for this year. It's just year two of our business. So crazy. That is crazy. It's like insane. And so it's just, I just want to make sure that we can continue to grow at the rate that we're growing and continue to increase our quality in terms of like our partners, you know, the partnership structure that we have. And then also on the content side, just making better content. I think I honestly feel like I'm just doing a terrible job right now because the business demands have gone up so much that like, I'm just not thinking about content much, but I really want to do better with that. So I think the office will help a lot. Here's the life and work hack for you. Ever since I started getting dressed in the mornings before working from home, I have been more productive and efficient. I guess the saying dress for success is actually true, which is why I am obsessed with quince. Quince offers luxury fashion without the hefty price tag. With prices ranging from 50 to 80% less than similar brands, it's a no-brainer to choose Quince for timeless style at unbeatable prices. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the middleman, passing the savings on to us, the savvy shoppers. Personally, I've snagged the Italian leather bow ballet flats. They've truly become a wardrobe staple. And let's not forget about their stunning 14-karat gold jewelry, which adds this touch of sophistication to any outfit. Whether I'm working from home, dressing up for a date night, or a play date with friends, Quince always delivers in style, quality, and affordability. If you're ready to elevate your wardrobe without breaking the bank, join me in embracing the Quince revolution. Trust me, your closet and your wallet will thank you. Indulge in affordable luxury at quince.com slash gold digger for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash gold digger to get free shipping and 365 day returns. 
Let me tell you, I love it when I find a way to blend style and comfort. This is why I am obsessed with Jenny Kane. Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed a breeze. We're talking minimalist, effortless, yet totally refined, which is exactly my vibe. I wear Jenny Kane's house slippers every single day. I even sent a pair to my best friend and I've been on the hunt for the perfect shoe for travel. I just grabbed their suede kitten heels. They are timeless, easy to pack. And when I wear them, I get compliments and it also helps that they are super comfortable. I've also got a quick shout out their sweaters. The oversized cotton fisherman and the cotton cocoon are perfection for everyday wear. And even as the weather warms up, they are absolutely staying in my rotation. Now, the best part about this brand is that you can mix and match the pieces effortlessly. Pair their sweaters with classic denim or a simple slip dress and you You've got a look that's put together without even trying. Jenny Kane believes in the art of simplicity. And on top of the amazing clothes, they even have home essentials. We're talking timeless furniture, cozy pillows and throws, and the most incredible candles. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code GOLDDIGGER15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I. K-A-Y-N-E dot com promo code golddigger15. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Oh my gosh. Well, I think you're doing an amazing job and I love your content. Where can everybody find you, connect with you, learn more about what you do with acquisition and just show up for you? Yeah. If you go to acquisition.com, we have a few free courses on there. We have, you know, you can read about our team, our firm, and you can opt in for our newsletter email list. And then if you want to find me, I'm pretty active on Instagram and YouTube. So if you just do Layla Hormozy at Layla Hormozy, I'm on all the channels. Amazing. Layla, this was one of my favorite interviews in a very long time. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I have loved getting to know you and following you. And thank you just so much for bringing your perspective today to the show. I appreciate you having me, Jenna. It was awesome. Honestly, that episode was so eye-opening to me. I had never truly thought about the differentiation between happiness and success and how we can introspectively look into our own lives and ask ourselves, like, what does it mean for me to be truly successful in this season? Where does my happiness come from? How does purpose play a role in how I'm showing up today? And I just loved how Layla laid it all out and how she thinks about it. It was absolutely brilliant and dare I say, mind-blowing. I am so honored that I get to host these conversations on this podcast. And I am so grateful that you grabbed your earbuds and tuned in today. Thank you so much for being a part of this community and listening in. If you have a minute and you haven't yet, would you take a second to subscribe to the show so you never miss another episode and leave a review? It would honestly mean the absolute world to me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. And of course, until next time, keep on digging your biggest goals. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com.
Let's face it, life and business can be stressful, and it's not just your mind that suffers when you're feeling tense or anxious. Stress can also affect your digestion and your immune system too. So what do we do about it? Introducing Just Calm, the breakthrough new stress-soothing formula from Just Thrive. Say hello to a steady, serene, more relaxed you. Just Calm's proprietary mood-lifting blend is clinically proven to help you relax and breathe a little easier in as little as four weeks. And for next level mood TLC, there's Just Thrive Probiotic. This is the probiotic my whole family swears by. This spore probiotic banishes bloat and constipation so your gut can produce more serotonin, which is your happy hormone. Plus, it supports better sleep so you can wake up feeling refreshed and revitalized. With Just Calm and Just Thrive Probiotic, you'll have the ultimate stress-fighting duo to help you win the day every day. To learn more about Just Thrive, tune into episode 734 with their founder, Tina Anderson. I loved chatting with her about the gut-brain connection. And if you're ready to take control and live your healthiest life yet, you can get 20% off your first 90-day bottle of Just Calm and Just Thrive Probiotic today. Visit justthrivehealth.com and use a promo code GOLDDIGGER. Take control today with Just Thrive. That's justthrivehealth.com, promo code GOLDDIGGER.